Hi, this is Femi Shavery, and I am here with your Daily Dose of Energy. And as you guys know, we are discussing a lot of things regarding relationships, more like the foundation, um, the big part of how to mold and evolve within a relationship. As you guys know, we are, I'm recording this in the midst of Cancerian season, as well as fresh off the new moon in cancer. And it felt so fitting for us to discuss not just an aspect of the home, which cancers are so mostly referred to, right? We're we're the emotions and we're homebodies, right? Which couldn't be further from a surface level description of what a cancerian is. But We are in a season that is about cultivating that safe space. I speak a lot about the molting process and how the Cancerian holds the shell on its back. And the shell is its safety. It's its home. It's the covering. It's the protection. It's the nurturing. It's everything because underneath that shell is the echoskeleton, which is everything that that shell is needing to protect. It's everything that fuels the growth of that shell. It's everything that fuels the um the the seeds and the soil and the nurturance and the existence of the need for the shell and so once the crab goes through the process where it outgrows the shell that it's on because it is evolving it is growing it is expanding that shell has to be removed and fall off and during that time the crab goes into molting process where they are not able to be around other crabs or anything they have to go in isolation and that is where um, during that process that shell is being taken off because their echoskeleton is very sensitive they can't be around anything they have to be isolated while the new shell is being birthed and once that new shell is birthed they distance themselves from the old shell and don't return back until it's time to leave their babies there um, almost as an offering to connect them to their roots right but When we're speaking about relationships, a lot of times people feel like in a Cancerian world, it is all about emotions, all about the nurturing and the the clinginess and all of that. And it is, again, so far from the full truth of what a Cancerian is. But we're not here to just discuss cancers. We're here to discuss the relationships, right? Because we speak a lot about the home. We speak a lot about um people wanting to be in connections, people desiring to be in these type of commitments. I've released episodes to you guys where I spoke about the attachment types. I spoke about attachment styles. And today we're going to speak about love languages. Okay. Now it is also very important to understand that all of these things are in addition to a person's individual personality, right? Their individual makeup based on their experiences, based on how they view the world, based on their limited knowing, um, based on just the life as they've had to endure it. And so even though these are very important Uh, additions to understanding your partnerships and understanding yourself as well. It comes first from understanding yourself. It comes first from understanding that every individual has their own different makeup, 
and their own different way of existing based on the life that they have lived and seen or not so much of. And so we have to take into account that none of this is bulletproof for a perfect relationship because there are no perfect relationships. But we live in a society where people don't try. People want the relationship to be everything they think in their mind a relationship should be. And in reality, that just isn't what it is. You a, a real relationship is groomed. A real relationship is built. A real relationship takes time. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of consideration, cooperation and evolving individually and within the, the relationship. Right. So when we're speaking about love languages, it's also important for us to understand that in search of a relationship, you must first have found yourself. That is the most important thing that you could ever do for yourself, because unless you know you, you don't know what you want. You don't know what you need. You don't know what your actual partner should be. You're just wanting to belong. And that goes back to understanding the difference between attachment and connection. Also, the difference between attachment, connection and chemistry, right? You can have that spark. But is that spark enough to sustain a relationship? So it's understanding what you're going in and why you're doing this, what you're going into this doing, being or trying to be. And it's also understanding at your natural state who you really are. Now, when you think about in addition to a person's personality, their character, um, how they have experienced relationships in the past, how they have seen relationships play out in the past, if you're into astrology as well, you also understand the elements of which a person communicates. That is the biggest thing and that is the most important thing, communication. So it doesn't matter what a person's love language is. It all boils down to communication, right? If I have a certain love language, but I don't communicate to you what that is, or I don't even know what that is, then how can I expect this relationship to be what I am wanting it to be? I don't care if you're in an open situation where you're dating multiple people or you're with certain people. There is something you're looking for consciously and subconsciously in those connections. But if you don't understand what that is, then you will constantly be on a roller coaster in a hamster wheel going nowhere. And so when we're speaking about the depths of a relationship and we're speaking about really, really building, remember, I'm not speaking. This isn't it. It isn't in love languages go in a multitude of ways, not just intimate partnerships, but friendships as well. But when we're speaking about love languages in its entirely in this particular space, I'm speaking about with partnerships, even being in a relationship with someone who is a polar opposite of you does not mean that that's an epic fail of a relationship. It means that there is going to take more time. You're going to have to contribute more energy into understanding each other, understanding the dynamics of each other, understanding how each of you are able to exist in a space that is solely different on the surface. You have to first find out, is it really different at the core? And that does take a lot of work, right? It does take a lot of work. It does take a lot of 
patience, but it also takes you to be removed from your ego and your pride and knowing that you know how to make every single person fall in love with you or you know how to make every single relationship in your life go and everyone else is the problem but you. A lot of times it boils down to the lack of understanding and the lack of desire to understand because you think you know it all or you think you know it best. And that doesn't work in relationship dynamics. Okay, you can't that doesn't work in relationship dynamics. It takes a sense of conjoining. Right. It takes a sense of merging together in a way that allows you to be freely yourself, but considerate of the freedom of self someone else embodies, too. And that shows up differently for many people. It shows up in a multitude of ways for many people, and it can be a lot. Um, And then some relationships are just incompatible, but not just because of their astrology and not just because of their love language, not just because of their attachment type or their attachment style. It is about understanding what all of this means in creating a fertile relationship. Now, if you're not looking for anything serious, then you probably don't even care about a person's love languages, which you even in that case, you should, because at the very least, you should still desire a friendship with someone that you are spending intimate time with. You should be wanting something, have intentions for something beyond wasting someone's time. Right. Um there are a lot of toxic traits right now and a lot of uh, being things that people are doing right now in partnerships that are unhealthy and they're not long lasting. And we know that. Right. But again, this isn't for people who aren't looking for something, looking to build something solid. One of the most attractive things, and that's I'll do another episode about that, about sensuality versus sexuality and confidence that silent confidence right all the way down to certain scents right understanding what scent you're giving off understanding what your scent stimulates understanding the attractive part that goes beyond your physical it's very 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 intimate and that's not something you should be trying to give to everybody when I see people operating in that way I know that they're unevolved. I know that because they're in search of themselves or in search of something to fulfill themselves. They're not. Their aura doesn't speak. I know who I am and I own who I am and I'm evolving from that space. It speaks. I'm wanting to show you why I'm worthy of your attention. It's it's giving off that very needy. Yet saying you don't need anyone, yet saying you don't want anyone, yet saying it doesn't matter when no one thinks about you, even though internally, you know, you're desperate for attention. But that's another episode as well. So we're speaking about now. Love languages and what they mean and what it could mean for your relationships and how understanding each other's love languages will enhance so many different things in your relationship in all different parts. Your love languages affect what you spend your money on. It affects, you know, how you view your relationship in general, um, what stimulates you, what turns you on, what turns you off, what builds more chemistry, what forces you to be distant in chemistry. All of these things come into mind and are into a space of. Evident, you know, 
it becomes very evident where you should do some work on yourself and also on your partnerships. So it's also very important to note that you can't come into a relationship without knowing yourself in a way that is on a core level, because we're always going to be learning things about ourselves. But to say, oh, this is just how I am. A person has to deal with that. That is the most unattractive thing that a person could ever say. And I'm a woman. And that is the most unattractive thing that anyone could say, because to me. You telling me that's just how you are. On things that are not your core makeup. I can't even. The older me, the younger me probably would have been more patient, probably would have been more considerate that you just don't know yet that that's not who you are. But now me understanding the psychology and the behavior cognizance behind it. No way. I'm not I'm not going to work on building anything with someone who feels like they've already reached the epitome of themselves. No way, because when you're in a partnership with someone, you bring out different parts of each other. And if what I'm bringing out of you is something that triggers a need for shift and change within yourself and you refuse to because you feel like you already are who you are and you're not changing, then I have to respect that that's who you are. But I also have to respect that that doesn't work for me. And I'm not going to waste my energy or time in that space. And this is where people end up in connections with people that they excuse this certain type of toxic behavior. They excuse the attitude problem. They excuse the aloofness. They excuse the inability to connect. They excuse the lack of communication. They excuse the inability to show up in a way that you're needing someone to show up in a relationship. It does not mean pushing your views on someone. It doesn't mean pushing your idea of what perfection is on someone or what you want, but you have to know who you are and what you desire in a connect in a connection. And if you don't know that, then you end up in a situation where you are trauma bonding and you're trying to fix someone and you're feeling, you know, pity is not any enough of an emotion to get in a relationship for Like, I'm not going to pity you and then love you. Like, I know I, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Pity is not the emotion I want my my relationship to be fueled on. And so you have to understand the reasoning behind why you are choosing to be and build with someone. And this is why it's important for people to date before they actually commit. And when I say date, I'm not meaning put yourself in a sexual, you know, you all out here doing the most sexually with everybody because that's an energetic exchange. That's a very, very, very dangerous game to play with your spirit. But people do it all day. People do it all day. And then you want to you, by the time you feel like you're ready for a relationship, you way too tainted. You way too, way too used up. You're going to need to do some some really deep cleansing and releasing and really heal yourself internally out because you are going to destroy anyone you try to be in a relationship with that purely is just trying to love and build with you. 
And so what we're seeing, especially since the pandemic, people are realizing that they're in these relationships and partnerships with people that are really not equally yoked when it comes to the core. Not I'm not speaking religion, right? I'm not speaking about that. I'm speaking about we don't even know each other. We don't even talk to each other in a way that uplifts and encourages and motivates each other. We don't even like each other. Now, I know that throughout time, people grow apart, but you really don't grow apart. You evolve beyond where you started. And if I'm the only person evolving beyond where we started, then that's going to be unequally yoked. And if we're both evolving beyond where we started, but we just naturally evolved into different individuals, then that's going to make us unequally yoked. That's not a bad thing. That's not necessarily a good, better, and different thing. It's just what it is. You have to be able to consciously make a decision to say, this isn't what I am needing in this phase of my life. And you have to be able to say it's okay. But if you get yourself in a situation and you realize that because now I'm forced to be in the confinement of a space that I've built with this person, that this person and I really are not on the same accord and have not been on the same accord. And what really attached us to each other was a chemistry, not really a connection. Therefore, I've become attached to the infatuation of what it was when we began Everything falls apart. And so we're in this space where people are realizing that this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I even needed. And it's really bad for my health. It's bad for my spirit. It's bad for me. I've allowed myself to be in this predicament with this toxic individual and it's not working. And that is any gender because equally every gender is toxic as hell. So we have to be able to understand the programming that we've allowed ourselves to stick to and refuse to work beyond because we feel like that's how it is. And that's how it always has been. And that's how it needs to be. You're afraid to do what's right for you because it doesn't fit into a mode of perfection that you're comparing your life to that doesn't even exist. So we come into these relationships and that's how people can get with people. And, and at first they're like, no, this just will never work because and then they realize, oh, my God, this is the best relationship I've been in because we get each other. We're totally different. But the thing that connects us is the ability to accept each other for who we are at the core. And we're not trying to change each other. We're looking at each other through an authentic lens, not a lens of infatuation, not a lens of, of, of chemistry, not a lens of, you know, a falsehood of perfection and what you can do for me and what I can do for you and what we can look like we're doing together. No, this is like I really respect who this person is and I really understand who this person is and I appreciate this person's authenticity and I'm willing to be in a partnership with someone who is not so stuck in their ways that they're constantly growing, they're constantly evolving. And I don't feel like it says anything less about me. So when you come into a relationship, I always tell people relationships are for mature people. And I'm someone who was married at 20. And my marriage lasted a very long time, but the circumstances with my, you know, first husband going to prison, 
we are still the best of friends. We still have the best um, relationship as far as the connection we have because we were friends first. We 12 years old up until marriage. We've, we've experienced everything together. Most of everything that I've experienced at in, in my younger years were because I was with him. Right. It was the experiences of that. But nowadays I wouldn't I can't say that I've known anybody. A lot of people have experiences when they speak about their first time. Oh, it was the worst thing ever. And I don't have those experiences. My first love didn't didn't break my heart. My my first love didn't I didn't I never felt used for sex. I never I was I wasn't. I was 17 before I lost my virginity and I was with this person since 12, 13. It was my first boyfriend ever in life. You know, so you go through different things in life, but people are afraid to speak their truth about things because they feel like they're supposed to relate to the trauma. Everyone else says they experience, but you have to own what your truth is and know what your truth is to understand the journey that you yourself is on. When you get in relationships young, they're supposed to teach you a lot about yourself. I never felt like my sex or my life or my uh, ability to be sexual was what held my relationships together. That never fueled my relationships. It never was anything that I put on the forefront ever. It wasn't until I reached my 30s that I decided, you know, I'm going to enjoy my sensuality. I'm going to tap into that space. It was a natural evolution. It wasn't me going out sharing it with everybody. It was me tapping into who I am and embracing it and loving every part of that. Most importantly, understanding that for myself. And that is something that a lot of people don't know how to do until they get in a relationship. They don't know what sensuality and sexuality is for them. They don't know how to please themselves, let alone another person. And they go into it with the desire to please someone else all the while not being pleased within. This is this is inside work first, because once you've built this inside repertoire, you're able to really give more and you're able to do it in a way that doesn't feel like you're forcing everything out of yourself. You feel really empowered when you do it this way. You feel really encouraged when you do it this way because you are able to really be who you are authentically without feeling pressured to become something else. So when we speak about love languages, right, we're speaking about love languages and let's first understand what love is. Right. Love is a German origin word. And old English deprived from the word Lufu. Okay, Indo-European Sanskrit. It comes from Lubiati, Lubiati. Right. Lubiati means. It is pleasing. It is desire. Libido. Right. That's what it means. It is a noun. That describes a state. Okay, When you think about where the word love originated from. Its biggest influence way, way back in the early days was religion. It was used to describe the benevolence and affection of God. So when you think about the origin of love, 
and you think about what it means. That changes the energy in how you choose to embody it and also how you choose to show it and who you choose to show it for. Because in a sense, you're saying you desire this person to the highest peak of desire. Almost like a ritual. It is your religion. Love is your religion. It is your passion. It is your purpose to love. Right? And so when you describe that and you think about the people that you say you love, it changes the dynamic in which you use it because to have an, a love in relation to how you love God regardless of what your religious beliefs are, that's the epitome of an expression of feeling. That's a vow. And that should be earned. Okay. Now, when you speak about in love, in love is an action. In meaning, in is an adjective. Okay, and the meaning of in is exclusive. It's used to refer to a source of cause. So when you say that you're in love with someone, you are walking in that you are embodying that you are absorbing that and holding it very, very deep within yourself. And not only do you feel that. You show it. You're, it's an adjective. It's describing the love that you have. It is describing an energy that is absorbed over your aura, right? It is very powerful. Very powerful and something that a lot of people don't understand when they say, oh, I'm in love with someone. No, you're infatuated. It's the difference. Oh, I'm just so in love with this. No, you're in lust. There's a difference. Because love also means and translates to libido. And libido is what? Sensuality, sexuality. It's your drive. It's that lower sacral type of fire. Passion, intensity. OK, so you have to be careful in which you use the words and the spaces that you use them and whom you use them for, because the energy can be really twisted and warped. That's why a lot of people can say they love something and then walk away easily from it. That's why a lot of people can say that they're in love with something and then those feelings start to flee because in love is describing something that's solid. To be in something means you are inside of whatever it is you're embodying. You are that thing. I can't be in love with you until I'm in love with me and I am embodying the love that we are in together. OK, so we're in these situations and people are really, really, really conflicted on who they are, where they stand with a person, what they what is your energy saying to you? What does their aura tell you? Are they in lust? Are they infatuated or are they in love? There is a difference. 
there's a big, 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 big difference. So when we speak about love languages, which is what we're about to get into now, there are five of them. And this is assuming that you already know that you're in a situation where you y'all have built a love for each other. Now that you understand what it means. Or you're trying to get to that space. You're trying to understand how this person shows their affection, how they show what they feel, how they show that they're in the love they say they have built or that they embody. Right. So. Some people. And again, this is very, very, very uh, it can be very complicated when it comes to a person's love language because different circumstances can prohibit them being able to show this type of love in these ways. Even though they may have one type of love language or two or three or whatever, they could. we all embody different forms of the love languages in general, right? But if they are someone who embodies a certain love language, but they're not able to express it in the way that they are embodying it, it can come off a bit confusing. So you have to take into account, again, a person's comfortability with expression, as well as their ability to receive that of which they know they desire. All of these things matter when it comes to a relationship. It is not cut and dry. It is not something that you can just pinpoint, oh, yeah, your love language is this, so this is how you need to do it. No, that doesn't it doesn't work that way. And one of the biggest mishaps that a lot of people have is that you get into these circumstances and you feel like you can pressure someone into doing a love language that you prefer. You can't. It's not authentic or genuine. You got to allow it to be natural. Either this person is comfortable expressing their love in this way or they're not. Either they're willing to uh, adapt in a way or they're not. And that goes for you as well. A lot of people, again, that hold this is just how I am. It ain't going to work in a relationship. That's why a lot of them fail. You can talk bad about your grandparents relationships all you want. You can look bad about the people who decide to stay in relationships and fight for relationships all you want. But if a person understands the foundational core of that relationship and they understand that it's worth fighting for, they'll do what they need to do to make sure that what they've built is sustained. When a person is so easy to walk away from the superficial reasons of a relationship that shows you more about them than it is the relationship. It requires a maturity and I'm not speaking about abuse. I'm not speaking about the toxic situations. I'm speaking about relationships where people just have differences of opinions, differences of what they view as beliefs that are really not beliefs or just what they identify with because it's all they've ever known. This is people not looking outside of what they think they know about their partnerships, choosing to put it in a box based on what society deems as acceptable and allowing everything that they think they've invested in to crumble that's what this is and so there's a lot of complications when it comes to that and that's why relationships should be very sacred because there is a lot of investing that takes place there is a lot of time that you put into it and your relationship regardless to what the title of it is should be long-lasting 
I don't understand how people jump in one relationship out the other relationship out the other relationship because honestly, they're only relating with themselves. They're not really relating with the people that they are connecting with. Being in a relationship. Ship means we're going somewhere. We're on somewhere that is traveling. And we relate on this form of travel. We're here. We're relating. We are in a deep connection. We are in a space where we are really building something from the ground up. We're bringing it back. We're conjoining it. We're building it. Carrying it, you know, a lot of people don't have what that takes. You don't even have enough to build a ship, nor do you even know how to drive it, let alone ride in it. So people are battling with this. And naturally it is, it's difficult, but that's why you have to keep your relationship sacred because you can't even explain everything that you're enduring on a in a relationship because it is just so much that's happening at once. Right. So get your pens, get your paper. Let's take some notes. Let's go over the five love languages and try to get some understanding as to where you need to maybe work on yours or kind of tweak yours a little bit so that you can be more receptive to receive what you think you want and give it. Okay. So, okay. So the first of five love languages, first of all, how do you know what your love language is? Well, you will know what your love language is by observing yourself first of course, but most importantly, there is a quiz online and it is free, but I also have had the books um, and I've studied these for about 10 years, 10 years, uh, probably a little more. But my last, let me see. Yeah, about 10 years. I, well, a little longer than that, probably about 2000, about 10 to 12 years I've been studying the love languages because I've always felt like being in a connection with a person is deep. It is, it is, again, I'm a Cancerian. That's just who I am. My Mars is in Scorpio. My rising is in Pisces. I'm just a very deeply, you know, deep is everything for me. So I'm not going to waste time in a connection that isn't going anywhere. I just don't. I have acquaintances. I have had my time where I've just been, you know, doing my thing, but it wasn't, I didn't need to invest any, any work into the relationship in that way because it's just social. It's just fun. It's just cool. Right. But with building my now life partner, we've been on this journey for about six years now, and it has been a lot. It, it, if you're into astrology, he's an Aquarius. I am a Cancerian. And the most important thing I can say is that when you understand how a person 
me understanding astrology, being a studier and a connoisseur for over 15 years of astrology, I already knew um, basics of the personality and the energy of the element. Right. But it becomes real evident when you study a person, not just astrology or astronomy, you study the person. So the people that you're with, you're in this studying of. Right. You're learning them and understanding the different ways people communicate is a big thing for me. So we when we first got together in in let's see our first year our before we even were we were friends, straight friends for 6 months. Period. Didn't even come to my house. Didn't even like we were friends. Period. Okay? Talked about everything. We were open. We had this connection. This this cool friendship, right? Even though we knew months prior that this is something that is going to be very serious. Right. But we did a love language quiz. And in that love language quiz, it tells you it allows you to answer the questions and then it'll tell you the order in which your love languages are one through five, what your top three are. And we had very similar orders we had the same love languages, but in different orders in priority. Right. And a lot of it kind of shocked me because as an Aquarian, you wouldn't expect his, you know. His one of his love languages, the top three to be quality time or physical touch. But. When you think about it, it makes a lot of sense, right? So when you're doing the quiz, you go online, you do the quiz. I'd suggest you do some research about each of the different ones, right? You do your quiz and it gives you your answers. The most important thing that you can do is absorb it for yourself first. Don't try to compare yours to this person. First, embody your own love language, understanding how you love, understanding how you receive love. That is what the love language is telling you about yourself how you receive love, how you are embodying love and how you are able to give it or how you how you give it. Right. Because oftentimes people give love based on how they want to receive it. But what you'll find in relationships is that just does not work. You cannot just give. I mean, I understand the sentiment of do for others like you do for you. But at the at the same time, if I like words of affirmation and that's what makes me feel loved. And you out here buying out everything and, and giving me the most luxury items. I will appreciate your effort. I will appreciate that you are giving me things, but that won't translate to me as love. OK, so it's understanding the person's love language for one, how you receive it, how you give it, but also how the other person receives and gives it and then figuring out a way to create a balance where that person can naturally do what they enjoy to do for you. And also in a way that allows you to understand that it's coming from a place of love, even though you should already know it comes from a place of love. There are some very superficial people. There are some people who are very, very, very superficial and some people don't think it's love at all. They just think you're supposed to shower them. They think you're supposed to just do it because you're a man or you're supposed to provide for me, etc. and so on. And that is just so dated. And 
if that's you get out of that thought process because that's just toxic and that's just dated and that just is not reality and it's showing why you have not been in a relationship that is truly fulfilling or you haven't been in a relationship that has lasted because superficial things don't last okay now the first love language is words of affirmation Okay, words of affirmation. This is a love language that expresses with words. It is verbal compliments. You know, they don't have to be a lot. It could be something like, oh, that looks nice on you. Or I am so proud of you. Or I'm just so happy that you you said that. Or you look real nice today. It doesn't have to be real mushy stuff. It just allows a person to know that they are seen. And I always speak about being seen because a lot of people are. Yeah, I see you, but do you really see that person? You know what I mean? Like you have to really be seen and words of affirmation confirm that your partner sees you. Not for the core. So I am a person who values words of affirmation, but superficial words of affirmation do nothing for me. You telling me I'm pretty is nice. But it does not stimulate the libido. <laughs> doesn't. Um, you telling me how you liked how I solved something. You appreciate the effort I put in into making sure the home is what the home is. Or you have seen how hard I've been working and you want me to know that you value that. Those are those type of words of affirmation penetrate different. Yes. Thank you for seeing my body. Thank you for looking at. But I've been doing a workout for a whole week. I need you to tell me I'm going hard. Tell me that you're proud of my work that I'm putting in. Like that is the type of word of affirmation or your the workouts that you're doing and the way that you have, you know, changed the way you're eating. It really has. You have really progressed. You are always beautiful, but you are. It just shows your confidence in the gym is just on point. That is the words of affirmation. So you want to give words of affirmation. And for some, it doesn't have to be that deep. Maybe they don't work out. Maybe they just, you know, clean the house, but it's affirming the substance of what they're doing. Even if what they're doing is a superficial thing, that is the word of affirmation, right? So if my love language is words of affirmation and you are cleaning up the house, but you think that your acts of service, which we'll get to your cleaning of the house should make me feel like you love me. There's a disconnect because I'm thinking that's just what you should do. We're cleaning up the house. The house needs to be clean. You're not doing it because you love me. You're doing it because you don't want to live in filth. Right. So that and it can also be if your words of affirmation and this person feels like I'm spending time with you, but we're spending time together, but we're not really talking. We're not really, you know, we're just in each other's company, but we're not really talking. We're not really enjoying each other's company. We're just here. That doesn't make me feel like you love me. So it's really adding substance to what you think is important or necessary, but also communicating that clearly. So the person that is on the opposite end of this is pouring into you in a way that you're receiving or needing to receive. That's why communication is so important. 
The second is, as I just stated, acts of service, right? Acts of service is mostly the people who say things like actions speak louder than words, right? I am a person who feels like actions speak loud as words. But for me, I need your words and your actions to line up, period. If they don't, then I'm going to have an issue. Um, I'm going to have an issue with the relationship. And most people will. Right. So you're going to have to figure out what it is that you are trying to convey with your acts of service acts of service for most of the people are actions speak louder than words their love language expresses it by doing things that you know your spouse would like such as cooking cleaning taking out the trash mopping the floor dusting um taking the kids to school helping the kids with homework um making the bed when you get up cleaning out the tub when you get out organizing the cabinets and pantry, etc. things like that, physical things that you're doing, showing that it's acts of service, making sure the bills are paid on time, making sure that if we are going half on anything or if you're responsible for something, you make sure that I have the finances to get it done. Those are that is the acts of service that stimulate certain people who have that type of love language. Okay, and it could come off as them doing those things or what they're needing to feel like you love them. And as superficial as it may sound, it's really not that superficial when we are building a home. So understanding each other's love language, understanding each other's communication when it comes to how they express that matters a great deal, especially when it comes to the building of a relationship. So. Even though it seems as something very small, it's important to understand that all of these things have to be done in an energy where it doesn't feel like an obligation to you. You are happy to do it. You are not really something. It is not something you like to do, but because, you know, it makes your partner happy or forget happy because I don't, I'm not into that whole happy wife, happy life thing. So I'm just going to say it brings your partner peace and fulfillment, then that's something that you do. Woman or man, period. Whomever has this love language. It's not about doing it and then getting in an argument and saying, well, I did that because you wanted me to do it. I really didn't want to do it. Listen, you could have kept it then. You know, it's about really, really embodying the appreciation of and the understanding of the importance of it. And doing it in a way that brings joy into the home and the space. Okay. Um, the third one would be receiving gifts. Okay. Now. Okay. I know it's, I know this sounds really, really bad. Okay. But. Not materialistic gifts. Okay. Gifts could be sentimental notes. It could be. Um, you know, gifts. Are, should be meaningful. Make a person feel appreciated and loved. They had a hard day at work. You get them their favorite flower um, or you write them a note or you make them a special meal that brings a, a, 
a sense of nostalgia to them or you take them to a favorite restaurant that, you know, has holds special memories for them. Um, those are gifts. You know, it could be like my life partner. Once I my auxiliary card in my card in my car wasn't working and I just didn't even mention it to him. Of course, it was just I think he had gotten in the car one day and tried to um, hook it up. And it was just like really staticky, which I knew I needed a new one. But my intention was to get one the next morning when I would come out to the car. He had already gotten another one for me and fill my car up. You know, and that's not my love language, but I appreciated the sentimental value in him noticing that that's something I use every day. That's something that I do every day. And he felt like he was showing me he loved me, which I did receive it that way because I know that's his love language. One of his love languages. It helped, you know, it, it brought a little bit of understanding. No, he didn't say I love you. It's the action behind what he's doing because he knows I love something or he knows that's my routine and he doesn't want any hiccups in my routine. So these are things and ways that people would show up and show in receiving gifts. This is different from acts of service because acts of service is purely being helpful, right? It's, it's just taking work off of your partner's plate in a sense that you know that they would appreciate receiving gifts is sentimental value. Um, adding that sentimental value into whatever it is you're doing that provides a sense of peace and happiness to the relationship. The fourth one would be quality time. Now, this is all about undivided attention. This goes back to when I say people think that because you're in each other's company that that's quality time. It is not. Quality time can look like us watching our favorite show quality time can look like us reading each other a, a passage in a book it can look like us writing each other a letter in in the company of each other it can look like game night it can look like taking a walk it can look like us making dinner together it can look like us choosing to meet up at a certain space so that we can exercise together it quality time is something is an intimate thing that we're doing and it does not always mean sex Matter of fact, the most valuable quality time in a lot of ways is nothing to do with sex. It's the intimacy. It's the ability to really connect without distractions, doing something we both enjoy. OK. Um, sometimes this means cutting off the TV, no looking at the phones. Um, this is where we're each other's main focus. Sometimes it means us choosing a day of the week to watch our favorite shows together. Or I know that you like this show. It's not really my favorite, but I know you enjoy. So I'm going to sit with you while we watch it and we'll laugh about it. We'll talk about it. We'll enjoy the time together. That's your time. That's something you like. That's quality time spent. So it's not about the quantity of time spent. It's the quality that matters and holds the relationship together. So understanding this helps you um, to redefine what matters and prioritize what matters in your relationship. Doesn't matter how many times we see each other throughout the day. If none of it was quality time, 
the counseling, the counseling of date night, the counseling of, you know, time spent, the time that you are in the car. Maybe your partner drops you off at work. That's quality time. That's an opportunity to make it quality time because you're apart for eight to however many hours you work outside the home. You know, it's about qualifying the time spent opposed to quantifying it. Okay. And the fifth one would be physical touch. Now, of course, this is the love language. That is amazing. Okay. It is a beautiful love language. Um, but there are some people who are not touchy feely at all. PDA is not the thing. Okay. But it doesn't mean that you are hopping on top of each other, having sex all day. Doesn't mean that you are all over each other, all in public, just doing the most. That is not what it means. Okay. It could be that, but it's not what it means, but it puts you in an environment with each other where you are intimate, right? You're holding hands. You're whispering in each other's ear. You're sitting close to them on the couch. Somebody's in the kitchen or someone's in the bathroom. One of you meet up with each other just to brush up against them. You know what I mean? It shows a desirability. It shows that they're wanted and uh, you're attracted. It creates this secure environment to know that you're still being watched and seen. Right. Um, if physical touch is a person's primary love language. Without that aspect of a relationship, they will feel unloved and they can feel unwanted, undesired. Okay. And all of the gifts and all of the words, all of the actions you think you're doing will not change that because they need the touch. That's why when a lot of people lose the intimate part of their relationship, the sex follows. And when there is no connection, it affects the whole relationship. Everything. So it's important to have the discussion with your partner to understand how they need to be loved so that you can allow yourself to incorporate what makes them feel. Because the relationship, you're not in a relationship by yourself. You're in a partnership. Okay. And if you're in a partnership, then doing what you want all the time just ain't going to work. It ain't going to go. It ain't just about you. It, it's not just about what you want, what you need and what you desire. Baby, uh, no. It's just not. Uh, no. OK, so. Understanding these things help you to understand the person and the relationship and the dynamics and also help you to understand where it may have gone awry. OK, and how to will it back. So I hope that this helped you to gain a bit of perspective, to gain a bit of understanding and to help you to navigate through the times in your relationship that seem a bit uneasy. This also love languages can go for your friendships and, you know, relationships with your children. Every everyone has a love language. So love language is universal when it comes to understanding how to communicate what you feel for someone. OK, so this is your daily dose of energy where we spoke about the love languages. And I am hoping that each of you are having an amazing time redefining what you view as partnerships and reestablishing that 
connection or leaving anything that just doesn't fulfill you on the core. Okay. I love you guys. Thank you so much for your love, your support and allowing me to be used as a vessel continually until our next daily dose of energy. Bye.